Have you been fighting some battles this week? Hey, every one of us fight battles each and every week, and sometimes it feels like that life just beats you up during the week. But when you come in here, you remember that God has never lost a battle. He's not gonna let you down now. He's brought you too far to let you down. He's not gonna let you sink. He's not gonna let you go under. He's got a good plan for you and he fights for you. It's so good to be here today and just remember that we have a God who loves us, the God of angel armies, and he fights the battles for us. And sometimes it feels like that we're not gonna make it through this one. But God says to you today, you're gonna make it through. I'm gonna see to it and I am fighting for you. I go before you, behind you, beside you, and you're gonna be okay. And we praise him today. And everybody's fighting a tough battle. And that's why it's good to be here and be encouraged and all you guys online and at the Atascacita campus, here at the Woodlands campus, hey, we just encourage each other, don't we? Because everybody is fighting a tough battle. And you are not alone. You have the Lord Jesus and you have others around you at Woodlands Church. So let's pray together. Dear God, I thank you so much that you love us and you know what battles each and every one is fighting. I don't know. Lord Jesus, what everyone is going through, but I know this, everyone is carrying a burden, everyone is fighting a battle, and Lord, I pray today we would just turn it over to you, and that you would work miracles in our lives, that you would just meet us right where we are, and you would show us that you are God, and you are real, and you want to do something real and powerful in our lives today, so do all you want. We surrender to you, in Jesus Christ's name, amen. You can be seated. Alexander the Great, in his quest to conquer the world, had to face the Persian Empire. So in 334 BC, Alexander led a fleet of ships across the Dardanelles Strait into Asia Minor. And when he reached the shore, Alexander ordered his men to burn the ships. He told his men, we will either return home in Persian ships or we will die here. Burning the ships made it clear that there was no turning back. It was a now or never moment. Centuries later, in 1519, Cortez, the Spanish conquistador, landed on the shores of the New World, and he also burned his ships. It was a leave-no-doubt statement to his men that we're leaving the old land behind. We're taking new ground, and there's no turning back. It's a now-or-never moment. And we're in this series where we're learning how to break free from old destructive habit patterns and experience real and lasting change. And it really comes down to that now or never moment where you're willing to burn the ships in order to break free. Transformation is really restoration. It's allowing God to restore and rebuild all the broken places in my life. And God can't start the restoration and rebuilding until he finishes the demolition. The demolition has to take place first. See, Christianity is a decision followed by a process. You surrender your life to Christ. You've got to decide to surrender your life to Christ and let him take over and be the restorer of your life. That's a one-time decision. Then there's a process of spiritual growth as you daily choose to let him remodel and restore the broken places in your life. The problem is we think God is going to come into our life, do a little rearranging because we know we need to make some changes. And so we expect God to come in 
maybe move the furniture around, rearrange it a little bit, and put in some new carpet, maybe paint the walls. But then he comes in and he starts ripping out the walls, tearing out all the sheetrock, tearing out all the cabinets. He starts tearing everything down so he can rebuild something greater and more beautiful that we could have never expected. But we don't like going through that demolition process. But he's the master restorer. So we have to let him do what he wants in our lives because he's the only one who can restore our brokenness and break us free from the ruts that we're stuck in. It's this restoration process that brings about powerful change. And the good news is, regardless of what area of your life you need restoration in, regardless of what you need to break free from, the principles, the steps to change are always the same, and they're found in the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are embedded in Jesus' greatest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And we've been looking at these Beatitudes because these are the steps to restoration. These are the steps for life change. Really, these are the principles for spiritual growth because we talk about growing spiritually, growing strong spiritually, but really it's all about restoration. It's all about surrendering to God and let him rebuild and restore the broken places in our lives and build something beautiful. And so this weekend, we're on the third step for life change. You see, the first step was, I realize I'm powerless to change. And the second step was, I stopped running from my pain and I realized God has the power to change me. But now we come to the third step. This is the critical step. This is the now or never moment. This is the burn the ship step. It's where you take the step of faith onto a new land and you burn the old ships that you've been trusting in so there's no turning back. This is the big now or never moment. You see, we realize that we're powerless and we can't change. We realize God has the power and we stop trusting in other things, but then we've got to decide to burn the ships and take that step of faith. So I want you to stand in honor of God's word and let's look at the third beatitude in Matthew 5, 5. And it's a really short verse, but really powerful. So why don't you just read it out loud. If you guys are at home, read it out loud at home, okay? Just read it out loud with me. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. That was okay, but why don't we try that again? We'll do it four or five times. How about that? No. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I love that. You can be seated. We said the word blessed literally means true happiness. That's what the word blessed means. So Jesus is saying, happy are the meek. Now, what does it mean to be meek? I mean, what do you think of when you hear the word meek? Weak, right? When you think of someone who is meek, we usually think of someone who is soft, who's weak, is kind of a wimp, who lets everyone just run over them like a doormat. But meekness is not weakness. The word meek has lost all its original meaning in our culture today. In the recent NFL draft, the Texans traded up to the third spot in the draft to draft linebacker Will Anderson Jr. Now, can you imagine the Texans saying, hey, the reason we drafted Will Anderson Jr. is because we looked at all the tape, we talked to him extensively in interviews, uh, we watched him at the combine. We, you know, we just studied him and studied him, and we discovered 
that he is the meekest player in the whole draft. And that's why we drafted him, because he's so meek. We'd be going, what? I want him to be mean, not meek. We need an edge rusher who'll wreak havoc on the other team's quarterback. I want him to be the toughest and the strongest player on the field, not the meekest, but the meanest. But the word meek in its original meaning is strength under control. That's what meek literally means, strength under control. If someone is meek, it's a great thing. It's strength under control. There's a word picture that went along with its original meaning. It's the picture of a wild stallion who is strong and powerful and beautiful, but untamed and out of control. Then the expert trainer comes along and breaks the stallion's rebellion, but not its spirit. Tames the stallion, and now all the power and strength and beauty is harnessed for a purpose. Strength under control. So it turns out that Texans fans should want Will Anderson Jr. to be meek, so he's not jumping off sides all the time. He's disciplined. He's not getting a roughing the passer penalty every time he sacks the quarterback. It's strength under control. So what Jesus is saying in this beatitude is truly happier those who place their life under Christ's strength and control. Our biggest problem is we're always trying to get control of our life. I'm always trying to get things together. I'm always trying to get it all together in my life and get control of my life and it falls apart each and every time. We're always trying to get our act together and the more you try to control everything, the more you lose control. When you try to get control of your life, you will get so frustrated. It will wear you out and you will eventually fail and fail miserably because only God is in control. You can't get control of your life, but you can get your life under control when you place your life under Christ's care and control. Then you have Christ's strength. Then you have strength under control, meekness. So life change step number three is this. I consciously choose to commit all my life to Christ's care and control. I consciously choose to commit all my life to Christ's care and control. Step three is the turning point. It's the now or never moment. Step one and two are all about admitting I'm powerless and broken and desperately need God, but step three, I have to choose. I have to decide to surrender my life to God's care and control so that he can change me. When you do that the first time, that's called salvation. When I surrender my life to Christ and just surrender my whole life to him and even trust him with my eternal salvation, that's called salvation. When I trust Christ the first time, that's when you get saved. I surrender my life and my eternity to God's care and control. I admit I need him to save me, to forgive me, to take me to heaven one day. That's the decision that's called salvation. The decision is then followed by a process. It's a daily process of surrendering to God's care and control so he can keep restoring the broken places in my life. It's that daily process of saying, God, I need you today. I can't change without you. I surrender this area of my life to you. I surrender to your care and control today. I surrender this circumstance to you today. I need your strength under control. So I place my life under your care and control. God, I've been trying to control this situation and I can't, so I surrender today. And I place this situation under your care and control. So how do you practically 
take this step. Well, let me show you a video that gives us a perfect illustration of this step. Several days ago, a Kenyan truck driver was going over a causeway when his vehicle was hit by a flash flood. And the tanker was knocked over by the torrential floodwaters and the driver was just barely hanging on when this happened. Just watch. Pretty dramatic, wasn't it? Yeah. You can clap for the man getting saved, yeah. I'm sure he felt like clapping. You know, after the rescue crew brought the helicopter close, and then that was amazing, wasn't it, how close they got? And the guy in the helicopter reaches out his hand to the truck driver. The truck driver had a choice. He could choose to stay in the truck and see how that goes or he could take the rescuer's hand. It doesn't seem like a very hard decision, but it's a decision nonetheless. And that's the third step. You see, we all want to be in the driver's seat of life. We think we're the captain of our own fate and we're in control. And we look like we're in control until the floodwaters of life wash away our illusion of control and reveal how powerless we really are. But just as our vehicle of control is sinking and we're going under, Christ reaches out his hand and he says, take my hand, surrender to me because I'll rescue you from your broken and flooded truck and now I'll be the captain that you can always count on. Just take my hand. And then you have a choice. You can choose to take Christ's hand or you can stay on your truck. But there has to be a time where you decide. There has to be a time where you decide, yes, God, I choose to take your hand. I realize I'm going under. Now, what would keep you from taking God's hand? What would keep you from taking this step? Well, the same thing that might keep you from taking the hand of the helicopter rescuer. First, it would be pride. Pride would say, you know what? I think I'm good here. Thanks for the offer, but it's not really that bad on my truck. I think I'm gonna be okay here. I can control this flood. Don't worry about it. You can go on and save someone else who's in worse shape. Go and save someone else who's really bad. Sure, I've got a few problems, but I don't need to be saved. I can fix this problem. I think I can get my truck turned over and I'll drive out of here. I've got it handled, so you just go on. You see, our pride keeps us from taking God's hand. We say, really, my problem is not that bad. My sins and all my mess-ups are not as bad as most people while your vehicle of control is going under and you're going under and you're still going, I can fix this, I can handle this, I can change, I can try harder, I'm gonna get over this struggle. 
Our pride blinds us to how desperate we really are and how much we really need rescue and forgiveness and grace. And sometimes we don't see it until our vehicle of control has gone up in flames and sunk to the bottom of the river. And we finally reach out and take God's hand when we have nothing left to hold on to. But as long as we think we can make it on our own, seems like we'll try. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 18, verse two. He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, you gotta become like a little child. You need childlike faith. Now, what does it mean to have childlike faith? Does it mean that you never question anything, you just believe without having any doubts or any questions? No, that's not what it means to have childlike faith. Childlike faith simply means you realize how dependent you are on God. You see, a small child is totally dependent upon their parents to meet their every need. They're totally dependent upon their parents to provide for them food and shelter and clothes to meet their every need, even their emotional needs. And Jesus is saying, you have to humble yourself and admit you're totally dependent on God. You're totally dependent on God to really change. You're totally dependent upon God for your next breath. Well, pride can keep us from taking God's hand. A second thing that would keep you from taking God's hand is fear. Fear could keep us from taking this step. We could tell the rescuer in the helicopter, I'm not sure I wanna leave my truck because I don't know you. And I'm not sure where you're going to take me. And I'm not sure if I can trust you. You may drop me in the floodwaters. Taking your hand is really scary. I've never done that before. I know it's really bad on my truck, but at least I'm familiar with this. This is my truck. I've driven this for years. So I'll just stay on my truck. And sometimes we do that with God. As God, my life is collapsing, I'm going under, but I'm kind of afraid of what you're going to do if I surrender my whole life to your control. And that's why we sometimes, sometimes we say, I'm gonna stay in this bad place because I know what this is about, and God, I'm not sure that I can trust you, and it's fear. And God has to burn our vehicle of control completely so we have nowhere else to turn. So many times, God has to just burn everything we're trusting in until it goes up in smoke or it's totally sunk before we realize that we've got to have him. The first place the children of Israel came to after they left Egypt was the Red Sea. And God delivered them by opening up the Red Sea. And once they crossed, God closed the Red Sea on their enemies. But I believe the reason, the main reason God closed the Red Sea on their enemies was not to kill off their enemies, it was to keep the Israelites from going back to Egypt. It was to close off any route back into slavery. God burned the bridge so there was no going back to Egypt. The reason God had to do this was because so many times they would start griping and complaining when things would get tough. The Israelites would gripe and they would think, you know, slavery in Egypt wasn't that bad. We had some food to eat there on the Nile. And right now, God's not providing food for us. He's not coming through right now. And so we should just go back to Egypt. It wasn't that bad back there. 
No, it was terrible. It was slavery. And sometimes we prefer slavery to sin and addiction and staying stuck rather than taking God's hand because we're afraid of what God's going to do with my life if I surrender to his control. And that's why sometimes God has to burn the ships completely so there's no way to go back. An alcoholic will many times only change when they just about die and then they realize, if I keep drinking, I'm going to die, it's for certain. And God burns the ship completely. Or maybe it's a health wake-up call where you've gotta change your habits because of what just happened and God burns the ship so there's no going back. Sometimes God will allow our ship to burn it completely so there's no going back and we can clearly reach out to take his hand. We see how desperate we are because we've got nothing left to hold on to. There was a time when a lot of those following Jesus started to leave him because they were just those who were hanging on because of what Jesus could do for them and they would follow him for the miracles and and they always wanted him to, you know, do the five loaves and two fish again. You know, we're hungry, Jesus. And, and so Jesus started challenging them to go to the next level with truth for their own good. And so many started leaving Jesus. And Jesus asked his disciples, are you guys going to leave me too? And Simon Peter said, where else would we go? We burned all our bridges. We burned the ships. We're holding on to you, Jesus. We've got nowhere else to go. We don't know where you're taking us. We're kind of scared about it, but we know you're the only one who's ever given us life and joy, and we trust you, and there's nowhere else to turn. We've never found life from anyone else. There's nowhere else to go. We burned the ships, Jesus. We're yours. Well, another reason that you might not take God's hand is not just fear, but it's because you think you don't have enough faith. You think, I just don't have enough faith to surrender my life to Christ completely. Well, look in Matthew 17, verse 20. Jesus says here, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So Jesus is saying, this little mustard seed is all the amount of faith you need. And the mustard seed was the smallest seed known in Christ's day. And so Jesus was saying, it's not the amount of your faith, it's the object of your faith. It's not the amount of your faith or how great your faith is, it's the object you've placed your faith in. Because if you place your faith, even if you have a lot of faith in yourself, it's worthless. If you place your faith in faith, it does nothing. But if you place your faith in a God who will never let you down, then that faith, no matter how small it is or imperfect it is, is enough. It's not about the amount of your faith. It's taking the little bit of faith you have that's imperfect and placing it all on God and surrendering to him so that he can do amazing things in your life. So it's not the amount of faith. Maybe you don't have great faith. Maybe you've got some doubts. Maybe you're not totally sure about all this, but if you just place the little bit of faith you have on God, you'll see that he's real and you'll see that he will come through for you. You see, when that helicopter rescue crew came up to that man on the truck and one of the rescuers reached out his hand, that rescuer 
really represents Jesus Christ and our life story because that's what Christ did. God, he lowered the helicopter down. He dropped off his son, Jesus Christ, upon this earth to rescue us. And Jesus Christ is the rescuer. You can trust Jesus Christ. He reaches out his hand. He reaches out those nail-scarred hands to you and he says, just take my hand. He's already reaching out to you. He's done everything. He's the one who died on the cross and rose again and all we have to do is accept his free gift of forgiveness and grace and purpose. And so, But you've got to, at a point in time in your life, reach out your hand. You've got to choose. Just like the man in the truck, you've got to reach out your hand. That's what it means to believe in Jesus. It means you reach out your hand. You, you see, what if the man on the truck said, Hey, you're strong, you're amazing. I can see you rescued people before. I believe in you. I believe in you that you are a rescuer and you can rescue me, I believe in you. But then he never reaches out his hand. It'd be crazy. It's like he really wouldn't have believed in him, would he? But when he reached out his hand, it's like, hey, I believe. You know, if I've got my doubts, it's okay because I know what's happening down here. And so I'm gonna take this risk and I'm gonna believe in you. I'm gonna place my life in you. Believe doesn't mean in the scripture that you just believe in your head. In the scripture, the word believe literally means to place one's life upon, to stake your eternity on, to surrender your life, to trust, even though you're not quite sure. And you, oh, I think, Jesus, you can hold me and you're strong enough, but I'm not quite sure, but you do it. And when you reach out your hand, and you place your life under his care and control, you see that he's strong enough. That he's greater than any problem you face. And he will hold you and he loves you and he knows what's best for you. You know, every time in this series, we've been having real life change stories of Woodland Church and that's the story of our church. It's life change. You see, we're all broken. You know, we're all just kind of sitting out there on our truck as the floodwaters rise and we reach up to Jesus and he begins to heal our brokenness. We're all in the same boat and I just praise God for all the life change at Woodland Church, all the lives, the families being changed because when one life is changed at Woodland Church, it changes generations. I mean, it's a ripple effect throughout the years, throughout the generations and so today I want you to hear from Rose Fowler and Rose is one of our um, young women at Woodland Church and she helps in our young adult ministry and she leads a life group and she does so many things serving. But I, I, I'm so excited for you to hear her story of how God has just changed her life and continues to along the way. And she's also a manager at Whataburger, which is pretty amazing, at 22. At 22, I think I was getting fired from Wendy's as a fry guy, but I, I can't remember for sure. It was in, in that era somewhere. It was in those lost years, but um, she's a manager at Whataburger, and she was on a Whataburger commercial recently, and so I'm going to show you a Whataburger commercial if you promise not to get hungry and leave, okay? <laughs> Here it is. Watch. Hi. My name is Rose Fowler, and I'm here to share about my journey, about the trials that I've been through. But most importantly, how God saved me and redirected my life when I felt like I had no meaning or purpose. When I was four years old, my parents went through a devastating divorce. I never got to experience a loving relationship with my father. 
and I never felt that I received his grace or approval. Growing up, I endured many painful experiences with him, which I carried with me into adulthood. As a child, I often felt used as a tool to hurt my mom, and I remember my father pushing my mother down once during an argument and the cops had been called. When I turned 11 years old, I found the courage to talk to my father and tell him how much I hated him. I threw all my anger and pain and bitterness on him, and I told him I never wanted to see him again. I can't imagine the pain he must have felt hearing my words, but he let me go, and I was free of him. Despite the circumstances, my mother would still tell me how Jesus loved me and how God was going to get us through it. But hearing this as a child, I couldn't understand how God was loving. I always questioned myself, if God is such a good God, why is this happening to me? If he is so sweet and kind, why is he allowing me to go through this? I started seeing God as a neglectful and uncaring God. And during this time, I attended a small church, and I got bullied by the other kids there, which affected my view of God even more. If that was Christianity, I wanted no part of it. Eventually, as a teenager, I began questioning my own existence and questioning God, and I finally concluded that He wasn't real. I resented anything to do with God, and I refused to let others pray for me, and I hated going to church. I became an atheist. Throughout high school, my anger and pain eventually evolved into depression. I began experiencing intrusive thoughts of how my life doesn't matter and how I have no value. My life was already a huge wreck. Why should I have to deal with this for the rest of my life? I started to cut myself and to entertain suicidal thoughts. I was too ashamed to open up to my mother about what I was going through. I was so lost. During a series of bad relationships, breakups, and personal setbacks that followed, I began drinking alcohol very heavily, which eventually led to drug use and even deeper depression. I relied on alcohol and drugs to numb the pain of both the past and the present, and it wasn't getting the job done. Daily, I struggled with suicidal thoughts, and every night I cried myself to sleep just wanting the pain to end. I remember one night wondering, how did I get here? Is there anything more to life? Am I missing something? And for some unexplained reason, I had this thought that I needed to go to church. I remember there was a church by my high school, and I went secretly because I was embarrassed as an atheist to step foot in a church. Later that night, with nowhere else to turn, I sat at my table and I prayed a simple prayer. I said, Lord, Will you come into my life and help me? I can pray for money, I can pray for friends, or my situation, Lord, but you know what I need, and can you please guide me because I don't know what I'm doing. I opened my heart and received Christ that evening. I then started to write down all the things I wanted to change in my life. I wanted to stop smoking, drinking, and start being nicer to my mom. As moms do, my mom sent me a link to the Woodlands Church Young Adult Service. I went and I met the college pastor there and had a great conversation with him. That night, God began stirring in my heart that I needed to take a first step in restoring my relationship with my father, just by giving him a call and talking to him. It has been a long journey, and there is still work to do, but God has performed a miracle. Today, My dad and I have a wonderful relationship. 
By coming to terms with my own need for God's forgiveness, I have been able to forgive my dad and ask for his forgiveness also. My mom and I have a wonderful relationship also that I never thought could be possible. Since coming to the Woodlands Church almost two years ago, I have been baptized, I serve on the welcome team, and I have attended seminary, and I am leading a life group for young women. I have also learned that discipline and tithing and placing God first in my finances. All these things have been life-changing for me and have made me even a better manager at work. It has taken dedication and discipline to continue to grow in my walk with Christ, and I try to give every decision I make to the Lord. And I am so thankful that God has allowed me to grow in my faith at the Woodlands Church since I have received Him. I have dealt with many insecurities, trust issues, abandonment issues, and other emotional challenges from the past, but God has knocked down all those walls and replaced them with purpose, hope, and confidence I never thought I could have. I want to say to anyone experiencing the pain I was walking through, God is not done with you yet. He wants to come into your life and love you and give you meaning and an eternal purpose. In Christ, I know the best is yet to come. I am Rose Fowler, and this is my story. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Rose. I mean, what courage to come up here and share that. And that's what spiritual growth, spiritual maturity really is, you know, to be authentic and to share what God has done for you. And I'm just so proud of Rose for doing that. Life change is so powerful, and we all need it desperately. Do you realize how desperate you are? Do you realize how desperately you need God each and every day? So what do I do? Really practically, first, I trust Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. If you've never done that, that's the first step. Trust Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. In Acts 16, 31, it says, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Now that word believe, again, is place your whole life upon. You know, it's not just head knowledge. I mean, you can believe in Jesus, that he died and rose again, but if you've never received him into your life and placed your life upon him, then you're not saved. And the Bible says even the devil and his demons believe in Jesus, but they're not going to heaven. And so it's placing your faith upon him. It's reaching out and taking his hand. And Lord, I don't know where you're gonna take me. I'm a little afraid, but I know that I can't stay here in this place. I know that I need you desperately. And I place my life under your care and control. And you'll see that he's strong enough to take hold of you. And I love how it says, you and your household. Maybe you're here with your whole family and we've seen families come to Christ together and it just changes a legacy for generations. And our super summer baptism in a few weeks, we'll baptize families together that come to Christ. And so the first thing is, trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Then the second thing is, I trust God's word as my standard to live by. I trust God's word as my standard to live by. You see, you've gotta make one big decision of what are you gonna base the decisions on your life? What are you gonna base your decisions based on what the world says, what's popular, what you feel like doing, or on what God's word says? And once you make the decision that you're gonna base your decisions on God's word, it makes all the other decisions a whole lot easier. 
That first decision clears up all the rest. And so look at this passage in 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, the whole Bible was given to us by inspiration from God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and helps us do what is right. So this is spiritual growth. As you make the decision, I'm gonna follow God's word because I trust God and he knows what's best. Even if I don't understand it, even if I don't feel like it, I'm gonna surrender each and every day to trust God's word and follow him. And that's why you need to every day connect to God's word. And we have our daily video devotionals every morning for five minutes where we take a promise of God. It's on all of our platforms. It just helps you focus on God's word. But you gotta make that decision. I'm gonna follow God. I'm gonna do what his word says and not what culture says or not what I feel like. And that's how you start growing spiritually and you experience the blessings that you can never imagine because obedience brings blessings. In Matthew 6, Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. All the things you've always longed for come when you put God first. It's amazing. You put him first in your time, put him first in your finances, put him first in your relationships, put him first in your workplace. You begin to put God first and that's when you really grow. It's a daily surrender. Every day I've got to go, God, I've kind of taken back this area of my life. I've got to surrender it over to you. You know, God, I'm kind of worried about this one and don't think you're big enough to handle it, but I, I'm just going to give it over to you. I surrender to you. God, I can't change this defect in my life. I'm trying today to get it together, but I can't. I can't overcome this struggle, so I give it back to you, God, to your care and control to give me your power and your strength. And that brings me to the next one. I surrender to Christ's power. I surrender to Christ's power each and every day. You need God's power each and every day to live the Christian life. The only person who's ever lived the Christian life successfully is Jesus Christ. But here's the great news. Through the power of his Holy Spirit, he lives inside you. And so when you surrender to him, then he lives through you with his power and his strength strength under control to give you the power to change, to become the person you've always wanted to be. You admit your brokenness and you bring it to God and let him continue to change you. You don't have it all together, but he does. And you keep trusting him and you keep trusting him. Hey, we're gonna do something very unique today on a regular weekend. We gave you this little card as you came in. I hope you filled it out. But at the top of the card, it says, my decision. And if you're not sure you've ever placed your life upon Christ and received salvation, you're not sure you've ever taken his hand and let him rescue you, you can get it settled right now, today. This is your now or never moment. This is your day where you burn the ships and you never look back and you realize that it's all moving forward in Jesus Christ, that you're forgiven, that you're cleansed, that you have a place in heaven one day that all your past is forgiven, your future is secure, and you have a power and purpose for living today. You can get it settled right now. So I want you just to write here, if you want to receive Christ and burn the ships, put B for believe. Not burn the ships, but believe. <laughs> believe. Believe. You're gonna believe today, and I mean believe, but not just, you know, maybe you've always believed in Jesus. I mean place your life upon and see the blessings. Just surrender. It's time. It's time. Now or never. It's a now or never moment. Just put B. I'm believing today. And I want us to bow our heads. 
and I'm gonna lead us in a prayer of salvation and just pray this after me out loud. And I want every one of us to pray this prayer. All of Christ followers pray this prayer to make those who've praying it for the first time more comfortable and let's all pray it out loud because it reminds us of how daily we have to surrender to his power. So just pray this prayer out loud and maybe you're saying, Carrie, I, I think I've received Christ but I'm not sure, get it settled today. Just pray this prayer out loud. Repeat it after me. Dear Jesus Christ, I realize I'm broken. I'm powerless to change. I'm not God. So I ask you to forgive me. Cleanse me from all my sins. Come into my life. Restore the broken places. I accept your free forgiveness. I accept your free ticket to heaven. Thank you for saving me. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, Christ came into your life. He will never leave you. It's not about the amount of your faith or about the perfect prayer. It's about your heart and reaching out your hand and taking him. And he will never let you go. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Well, now we're at the time where we give back to God. And as we give back to God, we put him first. Say, God, I'm going to put you first and reach out my hand and put you first and trust you in an area that... He scares me a little bit, God. It's an important area. But we give God first place in our life, in our time, first day of the week, like you're doing now, and the first part of our finances, and the first consideration in every decision. And so the way we give back at Woodland Church is you can just go to wc.org slash give, and you can set up recurrent giving on our secure site. And I really recommend secure, or recommend that recurrent giving because that just makes it as important as your mortgage. Put God first. And then you can also give by taking out your smartphone and going to, or just texting the word Give WC to 77977. Give WC, just one word, to 77977. It takes you to the secure giving site. Uh, you can give stocks, you can give assets. There are many ways to give. You can mail in your gift, but make it a habit. It's a spiritual habit of putting God first. You don't do it when you feel like it, you do it all the time for God's glory to put God first. Because whatever area you need God to bless you in, you put him first in that area and he blesses you. Whatever thing you need, you give first that thing to get it back. Do you need energy? How do you get energy? You just lay on the couch and get energy and, and you lay on the couch and eat junk food, watch ball games and that doesn't do it, does it? You have to give energy in order to get energy. If you don't have any friends, how do you get friends? Just wait around, I need a friend. No, you be a friend. You give friendship and you'll have all kinds of friends. What about your finances or your time? You give and you get back more than you could ever give. God's promises are always true and so we give. Our ushers are gonna come at this time and take our offering um, we got so many great things coming up at Woodland Church, but I want to remind you, next weekend is Mother's Day weekend. Yeah. I just saved your bacon for some of you guys, didn't I? Yeah. You've forgotten all about it. No, you remembered, right? Someone reminded me as I was coming back. So I just, 
No, it's Mother's Day weekend. It's huge here. Every mom, every woman we give a rose to. And then my wife, Chris, and my daughter, Megan, are going to preach the message next weekend. And it's going to be good. You guys love Chris, Megan, and they wrote a book together, Beauty Begins. And they're going to be sharing with you next weekend on Mother's Day. It's going to be really powerful. And by the way, our foster adoption ministry is doing so many amazing things. And you can, um, on the trees out in the foyer, take a child's name and you can make a difference helping them out. There's so many ways to help out. It's kind of like our angel tree ministry. We're doing it for all the foster and adoption kids. And I know so many in our ministry are adopting children and making all the difference in their life or they're fostering or they're helping out foster parents, giving them a respite and We've got the foster and adoption closet. So many amazing things at Woodland Church. We got camps coming up. It's gonna be a summer of life change, so I hope you'll get your students signed up for one of our camps or our vacation Bible school and all the activities that'll be going on during the summer. Hey, let's stand for our closing song. And I, I hope you won't skip out early because I think God's gonna do miracles during this song because we have a God we can trust. When you reach out your hand, to grab God's hand, you can trust that he'll never let you go because he is good and he has blessings in store for you. So let's sing it to the Lord with all our hearts. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.